Hebrews 10 verses 1 through 10 says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. This is why Jesus came to be a sacrifice for you and I. Today, I want to talk to you on this thought. I want to teach on this, living for the will of God, living for the will of God. As we saw in that passage, that's what Jesus clearly communicated over and over, that I had come to do the will of the Father, to do the will of God. What does that look like in our lives If it's your first time here, welcome. My name is Brian Wood. I'm one of the pastors here. We are so excited that you are joining with us today. If you have been online with us before or if you uh, are a part of our launch team, we've been uh, able to meet in person getting ready for January 9th, our launch day. Somebody say woo woo. If you are local, we would love to see you there January 9th, 10 a.m. at Venue 757 uh, in Portsmouth. We would be honored to have you a part of our family as we kick off uh, our first Sunday together as an official church, if you will, in a, uh, in a building, to say the least. Uh, we've been kicking and, and, uh, and going strong all year, and God has done some amazing things, and we cannot wait to see what happens when we all get to come together under one roof. But if you have been with us, you know that we uh, have been in a series called The Whole Christmas Story. And maybe if you're just tuning in, you're like, what is the whole Christmas story? We believe that, uh, that the birth of Jesus is just the beginning uh, of the entire story. And so we have kind of kicked off this series. This is week three. Uh, so we are over halfway there. We have a four-part uh, message in this series. And so... Um, what we've done is, 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 is looked at a unique way, a unique aspect of the Christmas story and the life of Jesus and went backwards. And so week one, we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. Last week, Pastor Jay preached on the cross, that Jesus was born for the cross. Today, we're going to be talking about the life of Jesus and then Christmas Eve, um, which will uh, air on Christmas Eve is going to be the birth of Jesus. And so uh, we are so excited about what God is doing in this series and has been doing. And uh, it's been kind of challenging 
for this message, as I think about the life of Jesus, I'm like, okay, uh, the resurrection, obviously an event, uh, the, the, the cross, an event, the birth of Jesus next week is an event, the life of Jesus, like that was a whole plethora of events, uh, it was years worth, I'm like, how do I even scratch the surface, what do I talk about, uh, what would I even cover to try to even do justice or represent Jesus's life, uh, because he did so much, right? And so as I think, started thinking about his life and looking at parts of it and praying and seeking God, I was looking at the way that Jesus talked to people, the way that Jesus treated people, the, the miracles that he performed, the compassion that he showed, uh, just his entire life. And again, we could spend years talking about each aspect of his life, but there was this, this centralized priority that Jesus had in every aspect of his life, from everything that he did, uh, from, from like what we just talked about, from the way he talked, from the way that he treated people, like every aspect of his life, there was a centralized priority that I feel is important for us to talk about today. And I've already showed it to you, but Jesus lived every aspect of his life to carry out, to serve, to strive for the will of the Father. And so what does it look like for you and I to live for the will of God? Like, what does that even mean? And, and how do we figure it out? And how do we do it consistently? And, and we could talk a, a good bit about this, but what I want to do is take um, three different uh, I don't want to say stories. I guess one of them is a story, but, but three parts in scripture where Jesus is present. We can look at his life and we can kind of see how he responded and how he acted and how he stepped in in this situation. The ones that we're going to look at and, and strived and carried out to live for the will of God and look at how that connects to our life. Uh, I believe that, that these three things that we're going to look at are, are, are relevant to, to your life. I believe that it's going to be something that you can connect with, and I hope that it will encourage and challenge you to step up in these areas of your life and figure out some ways from God's Word that I'm going to show you and give you to live for the will of God. Are you guys ready? I know I am. I'm excited about this. Let's jump in. Number one is this, living for the will of God in the valley and on the mountain, living for the will of God in the valley and on the mountain. For lack of better terms, just to simplify it, it's living for the will of God when things are really, really bad and when things are really, really good. Like to, to, to live for the will of God, to strive to figure out what is your will in this moment in my life when we have lows and when we have highs. How do we do that? What does it look like? And I believe that um, that, that oftentimes, and this isn't across the board because I, I've seen people and I know people that actually do the opposite, but I think there's a majority uh, of people who, who will actually live for the will of God like when, when things go wrong, okay? And so here's what I mean by like, like life is good, I don't have any issues, I don't have any problems. There's this aspect of one's life and I've been there to where I'm not always in tune with what God is wanting for me, where I'm not always in tune with, with walking closely with God because if I'm honest, Things are good, right? Like, like life is good. I don't, ha I, don't, I don't need him. I know that I do. I'm not saying that. But like, like in my mind, it's like it's not always at the forefront. And I don't always necessarily strive and, and make the will of God in my life a priority when things are going good. But all of a sudden, 
I go through something in life and you go through something in life where things began to turn and twist and you're not on the mountain anymore, but now you're in the valley. Maybe you go to the doctor and you hear some news that that you didn't want to hear on your health report. Maybe your finances are falling apart. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe, you know, a tragic accident has taken place. Maybe there's a death in the family, but all of a sudden we're in this, what we would call valley, this, this low point in life to where now everything's changed and now we know God is right here and I need him and everything changes about our life like we're at church on every single Sunday if they open on Wednesday we're going if they ain't we still going like we got a prayer chain on Facebook going on we got nine different Bible Bible plans going on 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 our Bible app like we even signed up to serve with middle schoolers like like all of a sudden we're calling on God and we're seeking his will and we're doing everything we can to 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 try to get him to help us in this season. And in my humor, I'm not not trying to negate that or or minimize that because I don't know about you. I'm thankful that when I go through a valley in life, I have a God that I can call on, like a firm foundation that I can stand on to find strength, to find guidance, to find wisdom, to find peace, to find whatever it is that I need to get through this moment in life. Like I'm thankful for that. But what if we didn't just strive to figure out the will of God, to strive to to rely on him and to lean on him and to trust him in every aspect of our life? What if we didn't just do that when we were in the valley? But what if we also did it when we're on the mountain? Like what if we strive to live for the will of God in every aspect of our life? When things are good, things are bad. When things are high, when things are low. There's a story that I feel like represents this moment, if you will, of, of from a human perspective to where it's like this valley and mountain taking place at the same time. And it's found in, in John chapter 11. Many of you probably know this story, but if you haven't, it's the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus had, had two sisters, Mary and Martha, whom Jesus loved. He was, he was close friends with them. And, and Lazarus gets sick, all right? And so Mary and Martha, they send word out to Jesus because he is out doing ministry in another place. And they send word and they say, hey, you got to come. You, you need to get here. You need to come see your friend. You need to come see our brother. And if you don't, he's going to die because he is very sick. Well, Jesus says, look, he's not going to die, but I'm not coming. I'll be there in a few days. Whenever I finish up what I'm doing, I'm paraphrasing here, but that is the word that comes back. And he doesn't come when they called him and Lazarus dies. And so we're going to pick up the story here. John chapter 11 32 through 42, it says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, so Jesus now, Lazarus has died. Jesus has now decided that what he was doing, uh, he's finished and he's going to meet Mary, Martha and Lazarus, who obviously now is, is no longer alive from a human perspective. But Mary arrived and saw Jesus. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. 
I want to pause right here for a moment and I want to share, like, look, I know that we can't necessarily compare our valleys as humans to the valleys that Jesus may be experiencing, but, but if, if I could, you know, go here, I would almost say that this that is taking place was kind of this, this valley, if you will, this, this low point that Jesus is now experiencing through Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Although he knew what was going to take place, you can see, this is what I love about Jesus among many other things, but, but you can see his human nature coming out. It says that, that you know, a, a deep anger welled up inside and, and then that he's weeping at the same time. It didn't say like Jesus was upset, Jesus shed a tear. It says that Jesus was weeping. And so we have these like human emotions all happening at the same time. And I believe that the anger was, that was in him is coming from, from maybe this, this disbelief or, or lack of faith that Mary and Martha have after he told them that Lazarus is, is okay, he's not gonna die, I'm gonna take care of this. And then I believe the weeping is this, this compassion, this sympathy that he's having for these people that he loved that, that are literally mourning and grieving and going through this, this valley, this tough time to where their brother has just died. And so here we are, we, we, we're in this valley and Jesus is coming, he's striving and he's pursuing to do the will of God. And he knows what's going to happen. And so the story goes on. It says, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But someone said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? So now they're like, all right, like what's happening here? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with the stone rolled across this entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, did it? I tell you that he would see God's glory if you believe, that you would see God's glory if you believe. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. So the valley of grief, the valley of loss, the valley of mourning, now it can't get any better. Like this is mountain of all mountains. My brother was just raised to life. And Jesus knew that this, this raising of Lazarus from the dead was the will of the Father. And so he came in this time, in this valley, to do the will of God. And he performed this miracle. And now this mountaintop experience has all happened. Like now things are great. Things are amazing. The highs. And he's doing the will of the Father. Like I just wonder what would happen in our lives if we would strive to live out for the will of God in the lows and in the highs. It would change our life from the inside. But you know what else it would change? It would change the people that were around us. It would change the people that were around us if every time, whether it was good or bad, whether it was high or low, we were living for the will of God and it was on full display for everybody to see, not in a look at me way, but in a I'm gonna serve my father, even when things are good, even when things are bad. Jesus knew what was gonna take place. He knew his father was gonna hear him. He knew Lazarus was gonna be raised from the dead. But he said, Father, thank you. Thank you for hearing me. And then, he, and then he almost explains why he's saying that. He said, I know you always hear me, but I, but I wanted to say it out loud so that these other people can see that I came to glorify you by doing the will of you. I came to do the will of you, Father. What if we lived our life in the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, the valleys, the mountains? What if we lived our lives, every aspect of it, 
living and striving and seeking to carry out the will of God for our life. Our lives would look drastically different. Number two, check this one out. Living for the will of God when you're tired, weary, and weak. What if we live for the will of God when we're tired, when we're weary, and when we're weak? Can I, can I just like get super down to the ground here for a second? Like, and just be transparent. Like, let's take our, our supernatural, like spiritual, holy rolling hats off. Like, this is hard. Like, this is, this is really hard. Like, it's hard to live for the will of God, like, like daily and consistently in every aspect of our life. Like, like much less living for the will of God when we're tired, weary, and weak. Like it's challenging. Why? Because, because think about who we are. Like we're born into sin by default. We have this fleshly nature that, that wants to take over and we have to be intentional and purposeful about squashing that fleshly nature and, 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 and starving it so that we can fuel our faith and we can fuel our, our growth and our pursuit of Christ so that we can do the will of God. And so what happens is when we become tired, weary, and weak, we oftentimes lose the energy. We lose the intentionality to step out and live for the will of God, like like to seek it and pursue it for that part of our life. And guess what happens when we do that? We become vulnerable because we're tired, weary, and weak. And guess who steps in? The enemy. And he's coming at 100 miles an hour as fast as he can to attack you in every aspect of your life. And the even more challenging thing is that oftentimes the valley of life, the the, the lows, the bad seasons, and tired, weary, and weak, they usually go together. So it's like, how do we do that? How do we live for the will of God? And and when we're tired, weary, and weak, and I want to tell you this, but but I want to to give you something else. I want to challenge you with something. I was thinking about what happens in our life physically, mentally, emotionally when we're tired, weary, and weak, and and this... this, uh, this thing came to my mind that I've experienced. I heard it for a while, but I've actually experienced it myself as well. But most of you know, I was, uh, I was a nurse in the emergency department for, for a handful of years and, um, and another atmosphere. I was a volunteer firefighter for a little while. Not really sure why I did that. Never went into a burning house. I think I just wanted a light on my truck and a radio where I could drive fast and not get pulled over. But anyways, I ran fire calls for a little while. And in both of those environments, there was this saying that when I, when, I first, like, when I first stepped into these environments, meaning when I first became a nurse and when I first became a you know, firefighter, I hate even using that term, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, there was this saying that people would say all the time and they would say, hey, Brian, I just want you to know that um, some of the worst wrecks happen close to home. And I don't know if you've ever heard that. I'm sure probably, probably some of you have. And, and I was like, why do, why do you keep saying that? Why do, why do you say the worst wrecks and the most wrecks like happen close to home? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, then I began to experience it as I saw uh, patients who were coming into the ER who were literally a few minutes from home. That was a story we're getting from, from EMS. I'm literally on scene as a volunteer, you know, whatever I was of, of wrecks that were literally two, three miles from their home. And, and so I, I started studying this uh, recently, this, this past week and I, I looked at a few different surveys that had been done as to why this took place. And there was this insurance company who, who took a, a one-year time span, and there were 11,000 wrecks that had been recorded in this one-year time span. Out of those 11,000 wrecks, 52% of these wrecks happened within a few minutes of home. 
77% of these wrecks happen within 15 minutes of the person arriving at their home or or leaving their home 15, 15 minutes, 15 miles from their house. The common denominator was that people who got close to home, they let their guards down. They basically went on cruise control because they were in familiar territory. They were on familiar roads. They were were driving a a road, a route, you know, a turn, a curve, whatever it was that they had done a hundred times. And their level of alertness decreased drastically and they would get so comfortable that they would begin to make more mistakes. And this is why these wrecks take place. As I think about our life, As I think about when we go through these times where we're tired, weary, and weak, and how hard it is to live for the will of God because we let our guards down. We go on cruise control. We literally don't have any energy to to, to move forward. Like, Like we're barely hanging on. Like we're going from day to day just trying to get by, trying to survive, and we let our guards down. And it's so challenging to live for the will of God when we're tired, weary, and weak. I believe that Jesus experienced this. Obviously, he was perfect, and he always lived for the will of God. But I see uh, different, different moments, different times in Scripture where I believe Jesus was physically tired, weary, and weak. As you think about Jesus, everywhere that he went... Uh, there was a crowd, right? Like there's always somebody there calling his name, trying to get his attention, trying to talk to him, trying to get a need met, like constantly. Like, can you imagine like going to food line, going to Walmart, going to a ball game, going to work? Like, and just people are always around you, like calling your name. And, and like, some of you are like, yeah, I hear it all day. Mom, 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 right? Like, like but, but people are always, and so he never gets this break. He never gets an opportunity to get away from people. Like, and he, he becomes tired and he becomes weary and he becomes weak. There, there's a passage of scripture that talks about how, how him and the apostles, the disciples, they were doing ministry. And it said they didn't even have time to eat. Like, I don't know about you. You don't eat for a period of time. You're going to become tired, weary, and weak. But Jesus, he knew what to do to fix this. And this is what he did. Mark 1, 35, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Jesus would oftentimes get alone. And here's a whole nother sermon in this. He would get along to recharge, to refresh and and to rest. And I could preach on rest. And believe me, it's gonna come one day because it is a topic that we all need to learn how to do and apply to our lives. But you know what the most important thing he was doing as he was getting away to refresh, to recharge and to renew himself, you know how he was doing that? By connecting to the Father. So, so the solution for you and I, when we're in the valley, when we're tired, weary, and, and weak, and, and we don't want to step out, and we don't want to live for the will of God, and we don't want to be purposeful and intentional about figuring out what it is, we should know at that moment, that season, that, that, that place that we are in life, it's time to take a little break and reconnect with the Father. How, how can you know what the will of God is in this moment of your life if you're not connecting with Him? And it's challenging when we're tired, weary, and weak. Oftentimes we're tired, weary, and weak because we're busy, right? Like we're we're overwhelmed. We don't have any time to do anything. Listen, you don't have time not to. You don't have time not to. Like you have to spend time with the Father. And so if I was to ask you a question right now, and you'd be honest with yourselves, I'd be interested to know 
and this is not, not me personally, but in your own life, like how would you answer this? How is your personal time with the Father? Like how's your quiet time? How, how's your time to, to go to an isolated place to pray? To get away from the hustle and bustle of life. Listen, I know life is busy. I know life is challenging. You have to make time for this. You have to make it a priority. Whatever it may be, maybe you get up 30 minutes early. Maybe you stay up 30 minutes late. Maybe you go somewhere on your lunch break. Like, I don't know. I could give you example after example. You, you have to figure that out for yourself. But what you have to first do is say, I'm going to make sure that I'm spending time with God. When I'm tired, weary, and weak, when I'm in the valley, I'm gonna make sure I'm spending time with God when I'm on the mountain so that we can connect to the Father to understand what his will is. Will you challenge yourself to do that today? Number three, and we're gonna finish up here. Living for the will of God when you don't want to, right? Living for the will of God when you don't want to. What do you mean, Brian? You don't, you don't always wanna live for the will of God? <laughs> no, <laughs> Like, I mean, I know I'm supposed to, right? But I know what my fleshly nature thinks and does and wants to do. So no, there's not always this deep hunger and passion for me to live for the will of God. And I would almost say that it's probably not always there for you, right? Like, like to live for the will of God by, by, by doing something that you don't want to do that he wants you to do. Like, like offering forgiveness to that person that you really want to be mad at and hate. Like working on your marriage when, when you're ready to quit and give up, knowing that the will of God is for you to, to work harder at, at restoring that marriage through the power that comes through him. Maybe it's bitterness that you're holding on to. Maybe it's the lack of, of, of generosity and giving because you don't know how everything's gonna work out. But you know the will of God is, is to be generous and giving and sacrificial and to, to, to mimic what Christ has done for us. Like I could go on and on. There, there's always seasons and moments and times in our life where what we want doesn't match what God wants. And so, yeah, there are times in my life when I don't want to live for the will of God because it's hard, because it's challenging. But can I tell you something? It's best. It's the best thing that we can do is to live for the will of God even when we don't want to. What if I told you today that the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, was in a place, in a moment where he didn't want to live for the will of God? Would you believe me? Well, he was. Let me show you. Mark 14, 32 through 36. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. So he's talking to some of his apostles, his disciples. He took Peter, James, and John with him, became deeply troubled and distressed. Maybe a valley, maybe tired, weary, and weak. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little bit further and he fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. 
God, I, I don't want to do your will. I don't want to do your will. He says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Like he, he's making it a priority, but in his heart, he's saying, look, I really don't want to do this. I, I want you to take this away from me. Like I, I, my will is not to go to the cross. My will is to not die. And if this awful hour that is about to come upon me can, can pass me by, I would appreciate that because I really don't want to do what you want me to do. But in the last verse here, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Can you say that? Like when you're in that moment to where the, the human nature is kicking in like it is here in Jesus to say, I don't want to face that. Like, I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to go through this torment. I don't want to go through this suffering. And maybe for you, that's not just physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it, whatever it may be. Like, I don't want to go through that. Are you able to get to a place where you can push that fleshly nature to the side and say, I don't want to do that. That's not what I want to do. But if it's your will, I want to do it. Can you live for the will of God even when you don't want to. Church, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus did this. I'm thankful that he submitted, he, he surrendered to say, I don't even want to do this, but here I am. I'm going to do your will because that will gives you and I life. It gives us a relationship with him. It, it, it connects us back with the Father. It gives us access to him, an opportunity to live with him for eternity. Like, I'm thankful for that. I know that nothing that we could do could compare to that, but what would our life look like if we began to live for the will of God in that nature? What would our life, you know, what, what, the, the, the abundance of life that we would have, the purpose that we would have, the meaning that we would have in life, knowing that we are living and pursuing and, and surrendering every aspect of our life to live for the will of God, even when we don't want to, even when we're tired, weary, and weak, even when we're in the valley, and even when we're on the mountain. What would that look like in your life? Remember the passage in Hebrews we talked about it at the very beginning. Here it is again, just the last three verses. First, Christ said, you do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect for God's will was for us, you and I, to be made holy by the sacrifice of of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. He spent his entire life living for the will of God so that you and I could be made holy. We could have access to the Father. Church, you and I have an opportunity to live our lives on full display, living for the will of God in every aspect of our life. The question is, will you do it? Will you, will you challenge yourself? And, and we don't do it by our own power. I'm not asking you to work harder. I'm asking you to trust more because we get power and strength in our weakness through the grace of God, not by the works of man. But I am asking you to assess your life, to assess each aspect and to say, where am I really good at? and striving and seeking the will of God at and where do I need work? 
Are, are there times in my life where, where I do better at it and times when I don't? Are there seasons that I go through where I'm able to live for the will of God and other seasons where I struggle? And how do you, how do you, how do you fix that? How do you strive to live for the will of God in all that you do? Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't really understand the whole will of God. But today I understand that the will of the Father was to send Jesus Christ as fully man, fully earth, to I me, mean, fully man, fully God, to live on earth, to die for my sins. And I believe today that I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And I want to confess from this day forward to make Him the Lord of my life so that I can live for the will of God. Maybe you're here today and that's your prayer, that's your heart, and you need to make that decision today. Maybe you're listening today and you say, Brian, I just need you to pray for me. I just need you to help me to, to let go. I need you to help me, to pray for me to, to, to help me to, to surrender, to, to live for the will of God in, in certain aspects of my life where I've been holding back on. I want to pray for you today, church. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the truth that, that is unwavering and unchanging in your word. God, we thank you that your son Jesus Christ came to die on a cross for us. But he came to teach us how to live. And we see this, this priority, the centrality of his life to live for the will of you. God, I pray that you would help each of us to surrender our lives, to live for your will, to, to strive to pursue you, to seek you in every aspect of our life so that we can glorify you by doing the will that you have for us. God, I pray for that person who's listening today that doesn't know you that he would surrender his life, that she would surrender her life to say, I need a savior named Jesus to take over my life and I give it all to you today. I pray that they would make that decision right now in this moment and have life and have it abundantly. God, we thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you for your birth. We thank you for your life. We thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We give you all the glory and praise and honor today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen and amen. Church, I love you guys.